is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Well, hi there, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 81 for Monday, June the 18th, 2012. Thank you for joining us once again. And Jason, how are, how's it going? I, I am good. 81 was a good year. <laughs> what were you doing in 1981? Yeah, you know, I, I think I was in grade one. I was six. You were a little older. I was nine. Okay. And uh, uh, yeah. 1981. I can remember 1980 because I remember standing in my parents' kitchen thinking, wow, it's a new decade. Yeah. I remember I, that. I was five years old, but then there's then there's like nothing until sometime in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's over? Well, I mean, I, I guess there are memories, but nothing that really I can place. You nothing know? formed. Like no, the whole, all of the 80s? You can't, you can't be serious. <laughs> well, I know I did stuff in the 80s, and I know I have memories from the 80s, but I couldn't tell you when exactly, <clears> and, and, you know, I don't know. It's 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 a blur. It's that was so long ago. Well, the '80s are pretty much locked down for me because I, uh, you know, my family we moved out to uh, northern Alberta at the beginning part of the '80s and then moved back in the mid '80s and then right. high school started in '87. So see, you've got those events to yeah exactly to to timeline it for yourself. Right. I don't have that. I lived in the same house the whole time. Um, you know, I guess I can remember going to different schools as I got older, but. I don't have that kind of like I moved to Calgary and then I moved back and yeah, you know stuff like that. Yeah, so. I got some uh, I got some events that happened in there. But uh, overall, to answer your question, I'm doing well. Thanks. Okay, good. <laughs> well, you'll you'll also be doing well to know that today is Waterloo Day. Waterloo Day. Yes, according to and it, I'm going to read the description from Wikipedia and it starts okay and then it gets a little weird. What does it get Napoleon? So I'd like to I'd like you to comment on the end of, on this, but when or I or is get it through. ABBA? Waterloo Day is the 18th of June, the date of the Battle of Waterloo right. in, in 1815. It is remembered and celebrated each year by certain regiments of the British Army in the same way that the Royal Navy celebrates Trafalgar Day on the 21st of October. Right. A little-known right. tradition of this day, the Queen and her court circle engage in royal fart lighting. What? The first, first established by Queen Victoria in 1839 when an accident occurred with a lighted candle at the celebration attended by the Duke of Wellington. <clears throat> now, this comes from Wikipedia, but I couldn't find any information on this anywhere okay. else. Did they cite a reference? No. Okay, it's bullshit. Then. Well, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> but the Queen is not going to light her own farts. There's not a chance, and she's not going to have any subject of her royal realm <laughs> light her farts for her. It's just not happening. I well, don't see it happening. Maybe it did happen in the 1840s and 1850s. Well, Queen Victoria, I wouldn't put it past her at all. <laughs> but Queen Elizabeth, I don't think so. No, Queen Elizabeth, who has been reigning for 60 years now because we had a big thing last week for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't see that happening either. Yeah, that, yeah that, that's got bullshit written all over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, I, I don't believe there was a citation for that, but... You know, it was there, and it was there when I looked. Maybe it's gone now because they do edit these things. Well, go to the Queen's web- website, check that out. I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that it's there if it's true. Well, this uh, I couldn't find any additional information on the fart lighting, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have a feeling it's probably not true. But I'm going to go right now and check it out, and it's gone. <laughs> See, right? <laughs> Look at that Waterloo Day. Yeah. 
uh, that last sentence about fart lighting is gone. So no fart lighting. Wikipedia has correctly self-corrected. It's just interesting that it was there when I have, it was, just happened to be there when I looked. It could have only been there for 20 minutes for all I know. All right. Well, next time you go to pick a day for, uh, you know, the day of the podcast, uh, let me know and I'll go to the Wikipedia article and uh, add something. Problem is, I, I, I don't want to let you know because I like to get your genuine reaction to the holiday. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that works. <laughs> yeah. So wasn't Waterloo an ABBA song as well? Oh, yeah, of course it was an ABBA song. You could sing a few bars if you'd like. Uh, I would not like. <laughs> My wife was here. She might do it. She, or my she kids. Would. They love the ABBA too. Do they? Well, ABBA would be good for kids. Uh, yeah, little girls like ABBA. It's weird. Okay, well, on that note, let's get right into this week's edition of The Walking Dead News. <laughs> The Walking Dead News. First item in the news this week, and this has been going on for a little while. It's been uh, all over the AMC website and on their Twitter feed, and now it's on their Facebook page. But apparently Dish TV, a popular satellite uh, TV provider in the States, Mm -hmm. is dropping AMC. Hmm. Um, What they've done is they've moved, uh, Dish has moved AMC from channel 130 something didn't write it down and not being a dish subscriber i'm not 100 sure but it was 130 reasonable reasonable number they've moved them to channel 9609 that's a demotion <laughs> you would think so yeah <laughs> when you get close to that that close to 10,000, probably not a good Holy thing can of tomatoes they have 9,000 channels well, no, I bet you they have probably have bandwidth for 9,000 or 10,000 channels. They don't fill them all. Wow. Right? Still, but that's quite a high number. They moved them to 9609. Although, you know what? I've never been a satellite subscriber, so no, maybe this kind of thing is normal for satellite. I so, so they moved it from 130-something to 9,000, and that's on the far side of a bunch of nothing. Probably, yeah. Right. Okay. So yeah. that, or, that or is maybe, quite the slap in the face. Or maybe on the far side of a bunch of radio channels and you know stuff like that that the, no one ever cares about. The dregs of television. Exactly. You know, reruns of, I don't, I don't even know what, eight is enough maybe? Yeah. Um, Dish had this to say. Dish said viewership for AMC and its sister channels is too low to justify renewing the contract. It noted, among other things, that AMC makes shows available on streaming services like Netflix. Uh, that, I don't buy that. I mean, almost all the channels, don't they make things available on Netflix or Hulu or their own streaming channels or partners? I mean... Well, maybe just nobody watches it on Dish. Maybe it's not like they're just their overall viewership is down. It's just like, you know, we put this stuff on there and nobody watches it. It could be. I've got some more info here. AMC suggests the real root of the uh, problem is a $2.5 billion lawsuit from 2008 filed by one of AMC's ancestors, Rainbow Media, over Dish dropping rainbow programming. Um, And apparently that case is scheduled to go to trial in September. So they're coming up on this trial. It's sort of bringing up past disagreement, and AMC thinks Dish is punishing them for this. Oh, they're just being jerks then. They're just being jerks. So AMC has started a Keep AMC campaign. You can find out more at keepamc.com. Or call 855-KEEP-AMC. And I was on AMC's website and their Facebook page recently. And if you go there, you'll see all kinds of advertising directed directly at Dish customers. Right. With messages such as, Dish customers, you are about to lose The Walking Dead. So if you're a Dish customer and you're concerned about this, you have two options. Either call them and complain or drop them and move to somebody else, I guess. Absolutely. Um, or watch AMC shows in another fashion. But uh, either way, 
AMC seems pretty upset about this. Well, yeah, I would be too, I guess. <clears throat> yeah, I Especially mean... Especially if they're just being jerks because of a lawsuit on somebody's ancestor. Basically, AMC says, yeah, you're being jerks over the lawsuit. And Dish says, no, 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 nobody... Uh, Nobody watches your stuff on our channel, so we're getting rid of it. They should countersue. It really comes down to a contract dispute, I think. Probably Dish would be happy to keep AMC shows on their network, but they just want to pay less for it. Right. Right? Yeah, it's all maneuvering. Exactly. It's It's the lawyers doing stuff. It all comes to a head in, uh, I don't know, 13 days or so, or 12 days at the end of the month. And uh, if it isn't resolved by then, it looks like no more AMC on Dish. Hmm. So like I said, go to uh, keepamc.com to find out more information and how you can take action. Well, if they're just moving them to another channel, like what's the big deal? No, they've already done that. Once at the end of the month, they're gone. Oh, they don't, I see. They don't broadcast them, them anymore, yeah. Because I can, yeah, move them to another channel. It's just, you know, you know, reprogram your brain to go to that channel That's and everything's fine. The problem really becomes if they move them to a random channel. Every day they're on a different channel. That would really, really mess with somebody's schedule. Yes, that would. That would not make it easy to find. So that uh, that doesn't seem right because then they're paying <laughs> then they're paying to have them on their network and not letting anyone watch it. So That's right. That ain't going to happen. All right. Uh, next item, AMC, a couple of weeks ago, released the first picture of Michonne. Mm. Now we get the first shot of David Morrissey as the governor. Oh, um, have you taken a look at the shot? I'm looking at it right now. So there he is. Uh, let me get your initial thoughts. And then I posted this on our Facebook page for some reaction from the crowd. Yep. And I'm going to read a few of those. But before that, what do you think of this shot? I think he looks a little angry and confused. Angry and confused. I eh? think he, yeah, he looks a combination of angry and confused. And he's got his hand on his pistol. Uh, so he looks a little concerned about what he's looking at. Uh, but overall, I think he looks good. I like the vest. Uh, you know, his, his hair is a little too neat, in my opinion, I think. Well, in, in, I mean, his hair is very different than the comic book version of this hair. I mean, he has long or maybe shoulder-length greasy black hair right. in the comic. Here, it's, yeah, it's nicely combed got and a parted. Part, you it's can short. see. Mm-hmm. Angry and confused, but he's not confused about his hair. <laughs> no, he is not. He knows what he's doing with a comb. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Troy on our Facebook page did comment that maybe they took some pity on the actor uh, because they shoot in Atlanta where it's hot right. all the time. And if he had to be stuck in a long wig, like, you know, 16 hours a day, it might be a little overwhelming. Well, he probably didn't have enough time to grow his own hair. No, probably not. Yeah. And and may not have wanted to. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But hair's, you know, hair's easy to come and go. So, uh, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. I, I like... I, I think I like the look of it. It doesn't strike me as much as the Michonne picture did. No, it's not as uh, awesome as the Michonne picture, that's for sure. Yeah, but uh, he looks pretty good. What do you think about the guy in the background? What's he doing? Uh, he's, I don't know, he's standing there? They got He's got red pants on. Yeah, I had pants like that once. Did you? Yeah, I thought they were brown. Turns out they were purple. So neither of those colors are the color that that guy's wearing. No, but it, it you know it's the kind of weird thing that you just you look down all of a sudden you're wearing a weird colored pants. Right. Well, uh, I I believe the rule with red pants is you're not supposed to wear them after preschool. Right. <laughs> oh, so he must be in preschool then. I don't know. Um, somebody else commented, you know, maybe Troy also on our Facebook page. Sorry if I got that wrong. That the guy in the background is clearly dressed for summer. Right. Whereas the governor, David Morrissey, looks like he's more dressed for fall. 
Yeah. So they've they've got some uh, seasoning seasonal problems here, maybe. Yeah, that uh, wearing a you know a, a heavy shirt like that and a vest, a quilted vest, with like a leather patch, mm-hmm. uh, really doesn't seem like uh, Atlanta summer weather. It doesn't, but they are moving into the fall and winter now, as Rick mentioned right. in the finale of season two. So, so red pants is not dressed warmly enough. Maybe red pants isn't dressed warmly enough. Yeah. What's he got in his pocket there? He's got a square thing in his pocket. A square thing? Yeah, red pants guy. He's got uh, in his left pocket, front mm-hmm. pocket. There's a big square. I don't is know. That a pack of smokes, or what do you think that is? I, I'm, I don't know. I'm having a hard time seeing it. What's on the other side where it looks like kind of a taser thing or something? Well, that's probably uh, looks like a, a sword or what do you call those things for cutting reeds? Machete. Machete. Yeah. Yeah, that could be a machete. Uh, yeah, but he's got something in his pocket that's square. It's either a pack of smokes or a sandwich. I'm not sure which. <laughs> well, he's hiding a sandwich. That's You do want to keep track of your sandwiches in the zombie apocalypse. And he's got the chain so that he doesn't lose his wallet. Right. So nobody steals his wallet or it falls off him while he's riding his motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> That's important. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. He's got a chain. Good looking belt. And uh, yeah, it's a utility belt. He's got like Batman belt He on does that. have it. He's got little pockets on it, probably full of... Uh, Daisies he's collected. Pocket, gonna, pocket full of daisies? I'm going to go with pocket full of daisies. Right. Yeah. Uh, anyways, David Morrissey looks pretty cool. He looks he looks concerned. I wouldn't say he looks upset or mad or, you know, delighted. Oh, but he's got that frowny face. He does have a bit of a frowny face. He, he No, he looks sort of concerned and, you know, not really clear of what's about to happen, maybe. Right. You know? So, I don't know. Now, we don't know if this is an actual shot, like a... Uh, a production shot like a posed one or if this is them filming a scene kind of looks like they're filming a scene it kind of does i would i would hate to think that he looks that way looking at the camera crew just as a regular actor guy <laughs> yeah that's right oh no are they gonna use that lens oh my that's, god i think that's that's crazy i look horrible on that lens and he's he's also wearing a watch so he's 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 keeping track of the time i would well, imagine i mean people wear watches they do I mean, you but get used to wearing a watch and it's not like it's a hard thing to wind if it's a windy watch that's true but it, I think it points out that he's keeping track of the days and the time going by. He's got a watch. That's and a, important. He's got a watch and a haircut. Yeah. What do you want? And, watch a, and, and a haircut. And a quilted vest. So here's some reaction from folks on our Facebook page. Kiana said, definitely wouldn't, uh, definitely different from the book interpretation. He looks kind of ordinary in the sense that you wouldn't expect him to do the things he's done. He looks like he could draw people in to trust him and not know the real person underneath. It's true. I can see that. <clears throat> Nick says, doesn't really strike fear in my heart. If I came upon this guy in the zombie apocalypse, I wouldn't feel threatened at first. Maybe this is what the producers are going for. That's why he has a guy with a gun and a machete behind him. Right. He's the threatening guy. Yeah. Although he doesn't threaten me all that well, much. No, but uh, he's got a gun. Well, yeah, but so does the governor. I'm, yeah, I know. But if I'm walking down the street and I see this uh, a guy with a gun in his hand... Uh, I'm going to be concerned. Ah, uh, true. His, his finger very well could be on the trigger there, too. I can't tell if it's uh, outside of the trigger guard or within the trigger trigger guard, but uh, still, that, that guy makes me nervous. It sure does look like he's got his finger on the trigger, and he's pointing it at his own neck, <laughs> or maybe or just, just behind just, his he's neck. He's resting it? Like, <laughs> it seems like kind of a weird place to rest. Anyway. It is a strange place to rest That guy makes me guy. nervous. The governor, not so much. He looks like he's in control of his faculties, but that guy behind him makes me nervous. Yeah. And what's in his pocket? <laughs> I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, Troy, who I've already quoted, said, I would imagine the intention is to be deceptive. Perhaps they wanted to present an image that Rick and his crew wouldn't be overly suspicious about at first. 
a leader who seems all nice and welcoming at, welcoming at first, but once you get uh, once he's got you in the house, all the doors are locked from the outside. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of what the governor starts off to be like, right? Yep. You know. So there we go. Seems reasonable. Seems reasonable. That is the governor. If you have any thoughts, post them on our Facebook page <laughs> or send them in. That'd be great. Uh, all righty. So AMC, there's lots of photos this week. AMC also released the first <coughs> official photo of Michael Rooker back as Merle Dixon. Mm. Oh, here we go. I just got the big dish customer uh, warning when I went to AMC.com. Only 12 days till dish drops AMC. Tell dish not to drop AMC before it's too late. Right. So close that. Do that. All righty. Here's Merle. And he's got a hand contraption or a contraption where his hand used to be. It looks like it attaches to things. Do you think so? I think so. So really? So this is a... I don't know. It just kind of looks like it attaches to things. I think... No. I think it just is a makeshift stump cover. Yeah, but it's it's got metal... Like a metal binding binding to his arm. Usually that kind of stuff you only you just strap a leather thing on it to protect it from something. But this looks awfully elaborate for something just to protect your stump. Okay, well it's so it's got like a band around just below his elbow. Yeah. And then you're right. Metal uh metal arms kind of that come to almost a skinny barrel type object that goes over the rest of his forearm and where his hand used to be. Yeah, I, it just it looks to me like it attaches to various things or something. Well, I don't know. So you think they might be going for a removable, replaceable weapon system in place of his hand? Yep. Yeah, it is Merle. I don't know if I like the idea of that. It, that kind of... Okay, so we've both seen that Tarantino movie, the second half of Grindhouse, right? Which was called Death Proof. No, that was the first half. No, the first half was uh, Planet Terror. Okay, so Planet Terror is what I'm thinking of, where she has the machine gun leg. That's right. So that kind of works in your ridiculous action movie, almost for comedic value, right? Is that going to work in The Walking Dead if that's what they're going for? No, this concerns me. Yeah, but that—that's what the, this contraption looks like. That to me, like it did, you know. I don't know. Here's what I think. If it's just for attaching some kind of knifed or bladed weapon, a knife or machete of some kind, right? I think maybe I could deal with that. But if he can like take off his machete, put on a gun, take that off, put on a butterfly net or whatever else, butterfly whatever else. Well, I, I'm going to catch butterflies. <laughs> oh, I'm probably... Merle. My brother catches squirrels. I catch butterflies. <laughs> See? Could be. You never know. <laughs> la, 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If that's the case, I'm not going to be happy. I don't like that. I think it's too... Um, oh, it is. It's over the top. It's, over the it's, top. It's kind of... It's not based in any kind of reality. Not that you know a zombie show is based in reality, except for Florida. But, uh, yeah, it would be a little over the top. Right. There's a difference between not being based in reality and being silly. Right. Right? And and this kind of thing, in my opinion, is just sort of silly. So I hope they don't go for it. I think it's just a container for his stump. Let's hope. Yeah, let's hope. Um, but otherwise, uh, he's giving you the, the finger <laughs> over the mouth. Shh, be quiet. Yeah, that's a little interesting. Like he's sneaking up on somebody. Um, and you know what else I noticed about this? No. He's got a gun. Yep. Is that is that a gun? It's in a holster? It is, yeah. It's on the wrong side. It is not on the wrong side. How's he going to pull that gun out with a hand on the same side? You have to cross yourself to pull a gun no, out. No, it, it just it comes out right like this. No, I think it's too high on his body for that. No, no. If it's on his belt, it would work. And look at it. It kind of looks like 
The gun is the other way. No, it's it's not. I mean, you see uh, this thing right here? Yeah. That thing right there fits in the crook of your, uh, your between your thumb and your first finger on that side. That's the pistol grip on the... Uh, the the like, brown part. Is the brown part is, is the, the pistol grip. Is the on, handle, right? No, the, the, the barrel's pointing down. Yeah. The handle's pointing towards the back of his body. Right. So he can just, that's, you can just grab it with his hand and, and draw it. Right, but wouldn't you want it lower down on your belt so you don't have to crank your arm up like this? Well, it depends. I think it would be more, it would make more sense to have it across your body and then have it higher and then pull it out like that. Well, that, if he had a, uh, a you know, a shoulder strap, that yeah. would, that makes sense. But if it's ho- just hooked onto his belt, I mean, you know, where's, where's his belt? His belt might be, you know, just below the edge of the picture, right? Yeah, it's not even in frame. Yeah, so I, I'm not really <laughs> sure, but that's that's definitely a handgun, and he can draw it from there. Okay, I'll 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 uh, bow to your superior handgun knowledge. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. It struck me as being on the wrong side. But no, maybe right he hasn't side. figured out how to do it yet. No, if we, if I had a holster like that and it was and I was I'm right-handed and my right hand is not cut off, uh-huh. uh, I would put it on my right side in the belt. Uh, I guess if you have a belt one. All right. It just it struck me as be, it looks like it's a little too high for a belt clip for me. It but then be. what else is it attached to? I don't know. Yeah. All righty. So that's Merle. He looks uh, pretty cool. We also got set photos from Woodbury. Woodbury. Now, there's a bunch of destroyed cars. There's garbage and crap all over the place. There's a production sign that says, Stalwart Films thanks the city of Sonoya for not mowing their grass. That's awesome. <laughs> Which I think is funny. And the next picture looks like my yard. Uh, <laughs> that, that looks like your yard? It's what it feels like some days. Well, you know, that's okay. It's a lot of work. We get uh, we get the Bank of Woodbury, which is kind of fun. Yep. See, see that one there? They yep, got yep. a Bank of Woodbury sign up. Um, I think most notably of all these pictures comes on the uh, second group where from IO9, and we see a big wall, which kind of looks like the entrance to Woodbury, I think. Yeah. Uh, where is that? There's the There's the wall. Uh, no, right it's, it's in the first group the first too. Picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first picture. <clears throat> a so, wall of stacked tires. A wall of metal sh- sheet metal and stacked tires. It looks like with a bunch of garbage in front of it. Right. Um, I think these look pretty cool. I mean, they don't give anything away and they don't tell you too much, but it looks like the town is on board with you know leaving their junk all over the place and not cutting their grass and uh, you know it looks like they're gonna make for a pretty good location. That'd be awesome if I didn't have to cut my grass. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Forget that. My grass hardly ever grows anymore. I killed it all, so I don't have to do it anyway. Big dirt pile. Yeah, I got to go cut my dirt once in a while. Um, What else? So the, these pictures look pretty cool. I mean, it's going to be fun to see uh, what they look like in the show because set photos like this never come across sort of in the show quite the same way, right? Yeah, this is going to look awesome, I think. I think it is going to look pretty cool. So those are at comicbookmovie.com and io9.com. At least those are where I uh, w- looked at them. They're all over the internet, though, so that's it. How cool would it be to have one of those thanks for not mowing your grass signs? That'd be great. That would be great. <laughs> I think it'd be a fun thing to own, so. Um, alrighty, moving right along. So, the Walking Dead video game, episode two, is due at the end of June. Cool. That's exciting. Uh, they were at E3, which was a week or two ago, and they demoed a bunch of it, and comicbookmovie.com was there to see it, and they basically described it as way more brutal really? than, the, than the first one. Oh. And the first one had some pretty brutal stuff in it. It did, it did. You know? 
Uh, they said, picking up three months after the events of the first game, or the first chapter, Lee's group has grown by one, but his problems have grown exponentially. It's winter, the group is nearly out of food, and people are turning on each other. Mm. So, lots of potential for drama right there. Delicious. So, here's an example they gave of, of some of the choices you have to make. They find a man caught in a bear trap. Zombies are approaching, and you have an axe. So, you have to make a decision on what to do. Hack the chain, try to pry the jaws open, abandon the man, or chop off his foot. So, right. so what do you do, Jason? What do you? How do you think you're going to handle this? Try and pry the damn thing open. Yeah, because a uh, a broken foot and a barely usable foot is better than no foot. Well, either way, you can't really run away. No, but it's still easier to live with a foot that's. Barely usable. Usable a little bit than not having a foot at all. So abandoning him is out of the question. Yeah, I I would at least try. At least try. And you're going to try to pry the jaws open, even though that's probably more dangerous than than the other two options, because you're getting right in there trying to pry those open. All right. Chains are not meant to be cut with an axe, right? True. Uh, People's legs are not meant to be cut with an axe. Yeah, also true. Uh, Prying the, uh, the bear trap jaws open is partly what the bear trap was designed to do. So it's probably going to be easier than anything else. Mm-hmm. It's designed to be opened, and you have an axe which you could use for leverage somehow too. Yeah, potentially. I mean, although maybe that's not in the game. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I actually had a friend in uh, when I was in grade school get caught in a trap like that. Oh my god! And they really? were able to pry it open themselves. Uh, well, my brother was there as well, so that between the two of them, they were able to pry it open so he could get his leg loose. Jesus. Yeah, that. But his leg is like mangled, right? Oh yeah, it was pretty banged up. Well, here's how it played out uh, at when com- the guys from Comic Book Movie were at the uh, at E3. Uh, he, they said in my demo, a developer named Telltale, a developer from Telltale Games, chose named the- Telltale yeah. Games. That's weird. That's a weird. That's where name. they got the name of the company. <laughs> How'd they find that guy? Johnny Telltale. A, de- <laughs> a developer from Telltale Games chose the impromptu surgery route, and it was disgusting. As a player, you have to look to the leg, choose the axe option, and watch the blade strike. The man screams, blood splatters, and the foot doesn't separate. You have to make Lee strike again, and the camera drops to a close-up of the wound. The axe still doesn't make it through, Camera gets closer, the axe comes again, the man screaming, the crowd gasping, and us cringing. <laughs> so it sounds pretty brutal. That's not brutal. I'm going to try that. <laughs> of course you will. I've got two games going right now, so I have two options I can go for. Right. Um, and then another scene shown in the demo involved Lee having to distribute uh, four pieces of food between nine people. So this is one of your less disgusting choices, but it has repercussions because the people who don't get food obviously won't be very happy. Right. And you got to deal with grumpy people. So there you go. Apparently, episode two comes out at the end of June. Mm-hmm. So hopefully any day now. It'll be groovy. I'm looking forward to it. I quite enjoyed the game. Uh, finally, in the news this week, Robert Kirkman has teamed up with Hyundai to make a zombie-proof car. Oh, sweet. Yeah, kind of. But Too this late is, for Shane. This is just such, I don't know, this is such blatant like marketing that it, it almost bothers, it almost feels dirty to me talking oh, about it. The whole it. thing is dirty. I know. It, it, I'm not against marketing. Uh, I'm not against product placement, all that kind of stuff. I can deal with it. 
I don't know. This just feels so pandery, though, and yeah, I don't know. Something, something not right about it. Well, they're not going to put it in the show. Uh, no, they're I just going to make the car. It's just a promotional thing. I know, and they're going to show them off. They're going to actually make these cars, show them off at San Diego Comic Con, right? And then you can enter to win an Elantra GT Coupe from Hyundai, right? And uh, it, you enter the contest by going to HyundaiUndead.com. And they made a promotional video for this, and here's one of the things that Kirkman said in the promotional video. I don't know a lot about cars, but I do know a lot about zombie, the zombie apocalypse and what I would like to have to survive. And so I think I'll be able to come up with something that looks cool, but may not be very practical or effective because I'm not good with physics and stuff like that. But it seemed like a fun challenge. <laughs> So he does go on to list a few things like uh, bars over the windows and some sort of like, you know, cow scoop on the front so you can get out of a jam. Right. Um, a, a sunroof with a cage over it so you can pop out the top of the sunroof but still be protected. Sweet. It's pretty good idea, actually. <laughs> well, it depends on how wide the bars are. Uh, true. If you can reach a hand through, that's not good. No, not good. But some sort of cage so you could get up there and shoot maybe. Not good for cell phones. <laughs> no, I guess not. Yeah. Uh Turret mounted on the top would be good. Oh, but, yeah. Something you know. with a pintle mount would be great. There you go. Um, he, uh, so, yeah, he had all these ideas. His, oh, spikes on the, the tires, of course. Or, oh, yeah. or coming old, out of the hubcaps. Good old-fashioned chariot. Yeah. <clears throat> he His funniest line from the thing was, I don't have a lot of skills. So in the actual zombie apocalypse, I'd go around from group to group going, hey, do you need anybody to write comic books for you? <laughs> <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty damn hilarious. Uh, but other than that, the whole thing just feels wrong to me. So uh, if you want to enter the contest, go to HyundaiUndead.com. The, uh, if you're a U.S. resident, you can enter. Us losers up here in Canada don't get to do so. Oh. Which I'm okay with. <clears throat> and that is the news for this week. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsor. And when we come back... We've got our Walking Dead actor spotlight on Lauren Cohan, but before that, a special contest announcement. So make sure you don't go anywhere. I tried a million times to understand it, and I thought I did. But at the bottom of this, there is a panic. And I bought right in Cause the problem with me and the problem with you Is that we're all just so scared to die I know my time is coming 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 For the listeners of the Talking Dead, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out the service. And uh, every week, of course, we like to recommend a book. Just as a as a note, last week or last podcast, you recommended Snow Crash. Yeah, and I started li- listening to. I it. was going to ask you about that. How, uh, how was it? Uh, well, I'm I'm not even halfway done yet, but uh, I'm enjoying it. A fair bit so far. It's a, yeah, it's a good book. A fair bit. I mean, the opening is amazing, and it kind of slows down a little after that. But that's you know the nature of most. It'll pick up books, again. but yeah, for sure it'll pick up again. Um, uh, but I'm I'm a third of the way through, probably more than halfway through the first half of the book. 
more than halfway through the first half of the book. Great. Yeah, there you go. Um, but it comes in two halves, you know? So it does. Two yeah. files. Uh, so Snow Crash is really cool. But what have you got recommendation-wise for us this week? Well, what I'm actually listening to right now is another uh, Tom Clancy book in the Jack Ryan series called Teeth of the Tiger. And it's actually uh, Jack Ryan Jr. He has a son? He has a son. And he's in this uh, book, he becomes a field agent. So it's uh, so I picked this up just uh, probably the beginning of the weekend. So it's, uh, you know, uh, Teeth of the Tiger by Tom Clancy, narrated by Stephen Hoyle. Jack Ryan, book 12, comes in at 16 hours, 42 minutes. Teeth of the Tiger. Cool. To download Teeth of the Tiger or any free audiobook from their 100,000 title catalog, go over to audibletrial.com slash talkingdead. That is audibletrial.com slash talkingdead to get your free audiobook. So, as promised, I, we have a special contest announcement here. Contest. Which is always exciting. We haven't done a contest in a little while. Um, some time ago, uh, I forget how it started, to be honest, but we asked people you to start. You thought of it. Yeah, but why did I think of it? Don't why don't know. we say what why it is first? Why do you think of anything? Well, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, we asked people to send in their favorite way to kill a zombie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so simple, but there are so many uh, so many um, variable ways of doing it, right? Some oh, better yeah. than others. <clears throat> and everyone kind of seems to have a favorite way to do it. So we asked people to just start sending them in just for fun. And I was collecting them, and I was amassing them to try and read on the show at some point or another. But we've decided to make it into a contest. Groovy. Here are the details. So some people have emailed them in, which is great. You guys are all automatically entered into the contest, yep. which is exciting. Awesome. But from here on in, what we want you to do <clears throat> is head over to facebook.com slash thetalkingdead and post your favorite ways to kill a zombie on our Facebook wall. That'd be awesome. And everyone who does that will be entered to win the contest. Now, this is going to be a long-running one. It's going to go all summer and into the fall. In fact, the deadline for entry will be the Season 3 premiere night. Um, October something. Yeah, October something. We don't know what that day is yet, but we will certainly update you when we find out. And let's just say midnight that night. So 11.59 p.m. on Season 3 premiere night will be the deadline for this contest, and the winner will be announced on our podcast the next day covering that night's episode. Right. <clears throat> Presumably that will be a Monday because the show will air on Sunday. I hope so. Um, so what you have to do is go to facebook.com slash Dead and just post on our wall your favorite way to kill a zombie. Now, make sure, please, to not post it in a reply to somebody else because it's going to be tricky for me to keep track of all those. If you can, just post it as a main... Um, uh, a main post 
And if you want to comment on other people's, that's fantastic. That'd be great. It should be, you know, should generate some in interesting conversation and so on. But your official entry, please make it sort of your uh, a one single post. That way it'll be, help me keep track of things a little bit. We are going to essentially put them all together, choose our favorite, and there will be one winner of this contest. Now, what do you win, do you ask? Well, what do you win? Here's what you win. I'm holding it in front of me right now. <laughs> holding it up to the computer so everybody can see it. So everyone can see. If only we were doing a live show, which we may do later this year, but stay tuned for that. Um, it is a Walking Dead messenger bag. Mm -hmm. It's a canvas bag. It has the Walking Dead on it with some zombies, and it's pretty cool. If you've been to any uh, comic conventions or... Uh, things of that nature in the last, I don't know, year, maybe two years. These were for sale at the Image booth. So I have one here, never been used, been in the in the Talking Dead prize vault for some time, and we're finally breaking it out to give it away to somebody. So if we choose your favorite way to kill a zombie as the winner, this is what you'll get. Is there going to be anything in it? You can't give away a bag without something in it. There will definitely be at least one thing in it, and that will be a Talking Dead t-shirt. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know what uh, size yet, but we'll try to work with the winner to get the size that they need. Sweet. And uh, um, hopefully uh, we can do that because we got to get more shirts made, so we'll just get a bunch made and we'll get you a t-shirt. So there will at least be a t-shirt and you never know what else might be packed into this bag. So it could be a pretty cool prize. Could be full of candy. Probably won't be. Yeah, probably not. Let's not promise that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there you go. Facebook.com slash The Talking Dead. Post your favorite way to kill a zombie. Make it a main post. Um, if you really want to be nice, I do get notifications, but send me an email. Let me know that you did so, and I'll keep track of it all. We'll collect them all and choose a winner on premiere, season three premiere night. So you got some time to do this. You have some time to think about it if you want to, and uh, that's it. Uh, there will just be one entry per person, although you can post as many ways to kill a zombie if you want. Mm -hmm. Your first post will be your your entry. Right. Uh, there we go. Cool. That's exciting. Now, to get everyone in the mood, I chose a few from the people that emailed them in to us, and oh, I'm just yeah. going to read those right now. Oh, okay. Give, give us an idea. Give, what, us, uh... give us an idea. And, you know, you'll see from these that uh, they don't necessarily have to be serious. They don't have to be... Uh, all that effective, but they just have to be a potential way to kill or, I guess, uh, keep zombies at bay. Mm -hmm. So Robbie from Texas wrote in. He said, my favorite way to kill a zombie will perhaps be a bit boring to a lot of people, but I think it's a valuable perspective. I like the idea of quick and simple kills. No flourish, no explosions. I really identified with Herschel's people. Even without their religious convictions, I still think the dead deserve respect. They were all once people that had friends and family that loved them. I'd hate the idea of someone disrespecting the corpse of a loved one because they got a thrill out of it. Right. I read a short story related to uh, I related to about a zombie hunter who would offer survivors closure by tracking their risen loved ones, cleanly dispatching of them, and giving them a deserved burial. Oh, to me, nice. at least, that is more rewarding than any skill kills. Although I can understand why some people are drawn to them. Right. So there you go. Zombie hunter doing it respectfully. That'd be nice. Interesting concept. For a fee. Well, yeah. Probably involving food or something like that. Right. Isaiah from the internet wrote, My favorite zombie kill is probably from Zombieland when he used the top of the toilet to bash the chick's head in. Nothing like beating crap with a crapper. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Luke from uh, Undead Mousy FX at facebook.com slash undead mousy. 
says, this isn't so much to kill zombies, but keep them at bay. Surround your safe house with outward-facing treadmills. <laughs> I saw a picture of that on the internet. <laughs> uh, yeah. So they just start walking and never stop. That's right. And finally, uh, Anonymous, is all I can say, sent me an email. I know his email address, but I won't give that out on the air. It didn't give me his name. He wrote, autonecrotic asphyxiation. <laughs> and I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> Let your imaginations run wild. So there you go. Enter the contest. Messenger bag could be yours with some stuff in it. Should be fun. You got lots of time to think about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next on the agenda of the big show here today is our Walking Dead actor spotlight on Lauren Cohan. All right. So we took a month to watch a bunch of her past work. We started with Van Wilder 2, The Rise of Taj, Death Race 2, and The Quiet Assassin, two right. movies and a short <clears throat> film. Mm-hmm. Halfway through the marathon, I decided that we sh- we need to add something else to that because that's a sort of narrow selection of what she's done. Right. And I decided to throw in Supernatural Supernatural season three, episode three, titled Bad Day at Black Rock, and two episodes of Chuck, season four, episode 16 and 17, called Chuck versus the Masquerade and Chuck versus the First Bank of Evil. <laughs> <laughs> Good fun. <laughs> so there we go. So let's talk about Supernatural first. Okay. Bad Day at Black Rock. It was directed by Robert Singer, starring Jared Padalecki, Jensen Ackles, and Lauren Cohen as Bella Talbot. Right. Or Talbot. Or Bella Lugosi. (laughs) That's right. That was a joke made in the show. (laughs) Um, So, I've been talking for a while, Jason. Why don't you start? What did you think of Supernatural? Well, you know, Supernatural has been this uh, kind of show that I've been thinking about getting into for a while now. But uh, it's kind of, there's a lot of episodes. I don't know how many seasons there are of this show, but uh, it's a lot to uh, to get into. And a friend of mine, Derek, was also saying that the, the first couple of seasons are basically just Monster of the Week kind of thing. And I'm not really into that. Uh, so, uh, overall, uh, the show I thought was... Uh, it's a comedy, right? Yeah, that's that was my problem with it. Like, you know, while watching Supernatural and Chuck, it occurred to me that it's not really fair to critique the show when you're watching one episode. You can right. critique the episode, but you can't really say whether the show is good or bad because you haven't seen enough of it. And Supernatural has like seven seasons or something, and Chuck yeah. had seven or six, and it's done now. So but Chuck, I watched the first couple of seasons. Right? Oh, like okay. I Like, I know what's going on, generally what's going on with Chuck. I mean, the, the episode that we watched was further than I had seen before, but... Um, you know, it's for for Supernatural. Like the reason I say it's a comedy is because I laughed out loud and I actually enjoyed some of the parts. Hmm. And it's a uh, it's it's an adage of my 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 old friend Scott used to say that all you need to do to make people laugh is fall down. Absolutely, and and, and potentially hurt yourself. Yes. So and this show had that right. People falling right. down. Sure, you got stabbed <laughs> through the throat with something every once in a while when you fall, fell down, like one of the characters in the show. But, you know, the, the two main characters, I get they're, they're brothers and, you know, there's pratfalls. There's funny things going on. Yeah, and the whole the whole thing here was this rabbit's foot where that you have it and you have really good luck. You lose it, you get really bad luck. Right. And that was the core of the joke where multiple people had it and lost it throughout the episode and ended up with good and bad luck. And the bad luck tended to be kind of on the comedy side, sort right. of funny, <clears throat> like walking along and falling down. Right. <laughs> And scraping your knees. And, you know, I I did enjoy that myself. I was sort of on board. I, that whole concept kind of made me smile a little bit. Yeah. That said, the episode felt 
too far on the goofy side for me. You thought it was too far? A little bit too far. But this is what I'm talking about. Like, I don't know if the whole series is like this. Or if it was just this episode. Or if, you know... Or, you know, if that's if that's the way it is, then, then that's okay. And if that's your thing, that's great. Well, even the X-Files had comedy episodes, right? There was, there was episodes where it was a flashback that uh, Scully was narrating. And uh, there was a guy that swore a lot, but... As he was swearing, all he would say was bleep, bleepity, bleep, 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 because she didn't want to actually swear in the narration. So it was like flashback humor, right? Funny, I don't remember that, but you okay. Know? Yeah, that was one of the, it's one of the ones I remember oddly enough. But uh-huh. it's a, it's kind of a, a comedy. It was a comedy, a comic relief episode. Right. And the X Files is not a comedy show. True. Right. So maybe this is that kind of thing. I again, this is the only episode I've ever seen. I don't know, but I would. It seemed a little lighthearted, and that was more than just this one episode. Which is fine. I, I mean, lighthearted is is good, you know. Um, and if that's what it is, that's what it is. That's great. It just didn't one off. It didn't appeal to me that much. Now Lauren Cohen in this, well, well she was pretty cool. She played a a, a spy. A, uh, a, a thief. A, sorry, a thief. It's sort right. of a collector. She acquired rare oddities. Four other people. Four other people. Right. She was a thief. So she was pretty cool in this. Um, it was kind of a fun part. This was the, her first appearance in a recurring role. I thought she did an okay job. I thought so too. Um, and, and I kind of liked it. So, you know, that's, that's it, it was okay. But this is the start of, of, a, of a bit of a theme with her that I saw running through a lot of this stuff, which we'll get to in a minute. So... The next one was Chuck, season four, episode 16, Chuck versus the Masquerade, and 17, Chuck versus the First Bank of Evil. Right. They were directed by Patrick R. Norris and Fred Toy, um, <clears throat> respectively. They star, of course, Zachary Levy, Yvonne Strahovski, and Lauren Cohen as Vivian Volkov. Vivian Volkov. Pretty good name. Yeah. So the IMDb, oh, I didn't read a, a summary for Supernatural. Oh, well. So for the IMDb says about uh, episode 16, Chuck and Sarah's Valentine's Day is put on hold when they must travel to England to protect an oil baron's daughter. A mysterious woman makes Casey a compelling offer. <laughs> now, Casey is um, Jane, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Baldwin. Adam Baldwin. Adam Baldwin. Jane from Firefly. Yes. Yeah. On the other episode, number 17, IMDb says, Vivian joins the team on a mission. Morgan searches for a new roommate. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Morgan's his friend who works at the Buy More. Right. There you go. Which is a cover for this spy operation? Well, as it turned, uh, the way the show started, like I did watch the first season of this show, what happened was uh, Chuck's brother was a spy. Or friend? No, his, his his university friend was a spy, and Chuck uh, somehow downloaded uh, a database of spy information into his brain. Right. This is what I wanted to ask you about. There was this supernatural element to it where he could see things or remember things yeah. or something like that, which I didn't understand. Okay, so this is the database that he has in his brain. He acquired all this information in like, uh, his ex-college roommate or whatever sent him this DVD or whatever it was that he watched. He downloaded this thing into his brain and uh, the the woman spy and Jane, uh, they are a spy team that were using Chuck to, because uh, they needed the information in his brain because it was the only copy of this information. So he was not a spy 
uh, and they just they were just using him, right? right? But then as the things moved forward, he actually was indoctrinated into the CIA and became a full-fledged spy, apparently. And uh, and then eventually, I guess he's... There was a kind of a, uh, a love interest thing between him and the woman, but I guess they're getting married now. Yep. Because that was happening in this show. That's so right. that's what's going on there. And Jane was like the, uh, the gun guy as he... Uh, not Casey. Sorry, Casey was the gun guy. Jane was also the gun guy. Yeah, he seems to be good at that role. <laughs> and the man never changes. Even from uh, you know back in the seventies, he, he was in uh, Full Metal Jacket or uh, whatever it was. Good lord, he's not that old, is he? That was it's early eighties or late seventies. Yeah. He was like nineteen, but the man has not changed since then. Well, that's all right. He's got good genes. He does have good genes, keeping him young. But uh, yeah, so he's another spy. I guess he wasn't didn't play heavily in this episode, these episodes. But uh, uh, yeah, he's part of the spy team that apparently built this whole complex underneath the Bymore. Okay, so the way I felt about Chuck is that I I sort of liked it. I liked it more than Supernatural. I thought a the acting was better, and it was it was still going for comedy, but um, for some reason I felt less so a little bit. It was a better balance of the comedy and the not the serious like the non the drama yeah, it's very much a light-hearted spy th- thingy of course but you also have the the two guys the one guy moving out and they're all sad about that and they're trying to separate their original 1970s series han solo and chewbacca 12 inch action <laughs> figures <laughs> yeah which i thought was funny yeah um and uh uh i mean other than that i i i liked it i i liked it more than supernatural and i liked Lauren Cohen in it. Now, I expected for some reason her to be like an actual villain rather than this sort of... She's the daughter of a villain. She's the daughter of a villain, but she didn't really know what was going on ever, right? Right. No, she didn't know. I expected her for some reason to be more like her character in Supernatural, an actual established spy, villain, thief, whatever. Right. But to hear she was just kind of the daughter of this supervillain who we never saw, and she just has to be brought into the fold to access, you know, her father's information kind of thing. Right, right, right. Uh, but again, I thought she did an okay job. And there was a fun horse riding scene, too. There was. Nice horse chase. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> you see car chases, but a good horse chase doesn't happen every not, day. Not very often, no. <laughs> Any more thoughts on Chuck before we move on? Uh, I thought the, these episodes were not as good as the first season. Okay. Like it, it didn't. It struck me as kind of odd. And anytime you get, uh, you know, a love interest uh, resolved, it, it the show kind of jumps the shark. Uh, kind of. Right. Because the first, at least the first season, know. probably the first two seasons, uh, you know, he had this Chuck and uh, what's her eyebrow. She worked at a like a, a yogurt store. In the Ivan same. Strahovski. And uh, there was this kind of on again, off again love story. Right, and she, in this uh, in these two episodes, she was very wooden. She was not that wooden in the first season. Hmm. She was a lot more dynamic. I don't know what's going on with her character, but it just she seemed very stiff and wooden. Interesting. Usually, it goes the other way around. I find you know a character might be kind of wooden or stiff at the beginning, and then once they develop the character a little bit, they have a, a wider range of emotion. Yeah, I'm, but she I'm, seems to have gone the other way. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, all right, so that's Chuck. Now, the three movies. Let's start with Van Wilder 2, The Rise of Todd. Oh, what a horrible piece of crap. Directed by Mort Nathan, starring Cal Penn and Lauren Cohen as Charlotte. IMDb says, Taj Mahal Badalandabad leaves Coolidge College behind for the halls of Camford University in England, where he looks to continue his education and teach an uptight student how to make the most out of her academic career. Uh, now, watching this movie, I'd realized I'd seen it before. Oh, I, had you know. I had forgotten that I'd seen this, but I watched the whole thing again, so I've now seen it 
all the way through twice. <laughs> That's great. And um, Van Wilder one, um, I've also seen, and I thought was kind of funny. It, it you know it it had some decent jokes in it. Van Wilder two was more of the same but less good. Well, it was more of the same except Revenge of the Nerds. Like it's the same plot as Revenge of the Nerds, like almost exactly. You're right. It almost is. It almost is. Revenge of the Nerds is a great movie, though. Revenge of the Nerds is a great movie, other than the uh, the blatant sexism that was uh, really, really bad. What can you do? It was the 80s, man. And racism and all kinds of stuff. But uh, yes, this basically, you get a band of misfits together that have to, you know, uh, succeed at a contest in order to survive at the uh, the university. Yeah. They <laughs> it's an unoriginal plot in a, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but direct to DVD. Oh, probably, yeah. Yeah, it was just... It was horrid. All the characters were... Uh... Well, Lauren Cohen played Charlotte, who was your stereotypical girlfriend of the popular guy. Right. Who is becomes the love interest for the leader of the nerds, played by Cal Penn. Right. <laughs> and you're right. We You've seen that role a thousand times before, you know, in Revenge of the Nerds, in every movie of this nature. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't say I like this movie very much. Um, I, I can't think of any redeeming qualities. It was horrid. It wasn't that bad. It I mean, was. a couple Come smiles on. once in a while. But like I'm what? I'm open to this kind of kind of film. I'm I don't not. mind this I don't this like sort these thing. National Lampoon things. I've never, <laughs> never been able to, except for Animal House. It was like the only one. Right. Well, you like your classic ones from the 80s or 70s. Yeah. You're not so into the new ones, it sounds like. Well, no, any of this uh, American Pie or any of that, like I never saw American Pie. I never saw, I've never seen any of those. Just for the record, American Pie is a little bit different and there's much more to it, at least the first one. Right. And it's worth watching. There's, it's, 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 there's much more to that movie than there is to something like Van Wilder 2. Okay. And I recommend you watch that. But anyways, uh, yeah, Van Wilder 2 didn't do a whole lot for me. Um, Lauren Cohen was okay, but... I mean, what's she going to do in this role? You know, she's just playing this typical character that, you know, goes from, plays for one team and then moves over to the other side in the end. Right. Spoiler. Uh, Death Race 2, directed by Roel Rennie, or Rene, starring Luke Goss, Sean Bean, Ving Rames, and Lauren Cohen as September Jones. There's a name for you. <laughs> Sounds like a Bond girl name, to be it, quite it honest. It really does. IMDb says uh, it... Ex- this movie explores the origins of the first Frankenstein car driver, Carl Luke Lucas, who died in a race at the beginning of the first film. <laughs> Classic. There you go. This is a prequel to Death Race. Yes. Okay. It's a prequel to the, the recent Death Race. That's right. It's actually a prequel to Death Race 2000 as well, apparently. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. I've never seen it. I have. To tell you the truth. Uh, so, September Jones, she Lauren Cohen plays this character who is a TV executive a high-powered TV executive who puts on reality TV involving uh, involving inmates at this prison. Right. They start off just fighting each other, and they end up racing each other. That's right. She, she, this is the development and the steps that lead to death race. Exactly. Um, so, did you like this movie? No. Not even a little bit? No. <laughs> The the act okay. It's the thing that bothers me so much is that the action was so uh, 
was edited in such a way that you could not tell what was going on. It's funny. I didn't notice that. And that really? usually bothers me. But for some reason, I didn't notice that in this movie. Oh, there, there was absolutely no context to any of the action. Other than like when the he was dodging a heat-seeking missile and had to drive through a, uh, you know, a garage door. Well, but the fight scenes at the beginning. I mean, they were. We got some wide photos, wide shots of that. Some of that stuff. A so you sort bit, of yeah. knew what was going on. Yeah, the races and stuff were just you know was cut together in such a way that it was uh, almost useless. Yeah. Okay, I can sort of see that. Um, I did think there was some entertaining action in this film, though. I'm not going to say it was amazing, but I'd take this over Rise of Taj. Oh, I would take it over Rise of Taj. And, I mean, they're different, obviously, but this movie wasn't trying to be as funny. It was just more entertaining. Good action, I thought, and some of it, not all of it. No, I didn't like any of it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. There's one thing that bothered me about this movie, uh, and that is that they have these... um, Female partners in the cars. Yeah, they're like navigators in a in a. Uh, they work the buttons while the drivers drive. Right. What do you call that? In what do you call that uh, kind of racing on trails, uh, where there's two people in the cars? Yeah, yeah, I know what you want. I know what you mean. So there's a driver and there's a navigator who yep. says, you know, hard right coming up, stuff like that. That's right. Um, it's like that was the role these women were playing. Right. But, I mean, the goal here was to either disable or kill your opponents to win the race. And these poor, innocent women who were there to, I don't know for what reason, were just there to be killed. And for some reason, that bothered me. Well, I don't think they were there to be killed. I think they were there to, you know, when they wanted an oil slick, she flicked the button. Right. But if the goal is to explode your opponent's car so that they burn up in a horrible death, you're putting these other innocent, supposedly innocent people in the cars with them. They chose to be there. They knew what was going on. They know it's a death race. (laughs) They were given the opportunity to either navigate in these death race cars with the option of uh, getting their freedom if they won five races. Or yeah, the inmates, but the women who were with them. They were, were just, inmates too. Uh, I didn't they get were, that. They were because uh, at the end of one of the fight scenes, they were all in a line and, and the uh, the lady said the bus leaves in five minutes and they were in handcuffs. They were going to a lady's prison. Okay, I somehow missed that. Yeah. I just thought they were innocent people that for some reason were either there of their own free will, knowing very well what they were getting into, which made no sense. No, they were over from the women's prison. All right. Okay. I'm okay with it then. All right. As long as it's only inmates getting killed and horribly disfigured. Right. <laughs> Um, you know what bothered me the most in, in this whole show? No. Nope. The obvious product placement of the Mustang at the beginning when they robbed the bank. Oh, yeah. Who but- the hell robs a bank in a two-door coupe with four guys? They they addressed, well, in a two-door, yes, that makes no sense. But they addressed the uh, flashy nature of the car by saying you're hiding in plain sight. Who's going to be looking for a bright yellow Mustang as a getaway car. Well, apparently everybody, but that's neither here nor there. The fact that they drove up to the bank in one, his own car. <laughs> yeah, I know. Two, a two-door where they all had to get out. The two guys in the front had to get out, and then they push the seat forward, and everybody gets out. And then so they stupid. rob the bank, and then they have to get back in the car. It's like, okay, excuse me, i got to push the seat forward, and you get in, and, and then I'll get in, and then we'll go. Yeah, it, it was <laughs> retarded. It was so stupid. But again, the car chase was pretty good. Yeah, it was just, I mean, it was a nice car. I mean, I do like the new Mustangs, and this was a uh, a nice uh, a nice Mustang. But yeah. Good Lord, man. The other thing that I didn't like about this movie was the Sean Bean character. Completely unnecessary, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. He was there. Like, so his whole thing was that um, the character Luke Gross, Carl Luke Lucas, right. knew that Sean Bean was this criminal, organized crime guy. Yep. And so he was going to rat him out. 
in the, the joint, I guess. Well, Sean Bean was worried that he would rat him out. Right. So he wanted to have him killed in prison. That's right. What was the point of that? There was no point. No, it there felt was no like point. Sean Bean showed up every, you know, 20 minutes in a scene saying to someone different, take that guy out. There's a reward on his head. I want him dead. Now, I have a question about Sean Bean. Well, he's he, awesome normally. He is awesome, but it seems to me that like in the last 10 years, he's died in every movie he's been in or TV show. He always gets killed. Well, this one and... Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Uh, spoiler, uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, okay, I haven't watched the Game of Thrones. Um, wasn't, wasn't he in the um, one of the movies we watched for uh, David Morrissey? Yeah, he was in uh, he was in the uh, oh my god that British trilogy. Did he die in that? Yeah, I think he yeah did. he did. He did. He got gunned he down dies in that. In everything. You're right. In the uh, Red Riding trilogy, he got That's gunned right. down in the end of the first movie. <laughs> I'd like to go through it just and and watch a movie where he survives the whole movie, just once. Okay, well I'm I'm sure we could find something. He dies in everything. Well, maybe that's in his contract. We'll hire you, but we got to kill you off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so really quickly, The Quiet Assassin, this was directed by Alex Hardcastle. It's a short film, stars Simon Greenall, Jack D, and Lauren Cohen has an unnamed character. And oh, she's, she had a name. Uh, okay, IMDb didn't give her a name. No, oh, she definitely had a name, because uh, he, he said it to her, like the guy introduced her in the bar with the name, and I saw her name in the credits. Okay, you're right. See if you can pull it up. IMDb about this says, Jimmy Law was a loser, a nobody, abused by the system, by his wife and by his obnoxious boss. But his life is about to change forever. (laughs) So what happens here is that this Jimmy Law guy is down on his luck, and he's so distraught over it, he suddenly, out of nowhere, develops the power to um, orchestrate people's deaths. That's really the only way I I can... presented i didn't quite understand the power well he was able to just kill people but he was able to do it in elaborate ways like what forcing it like his boss died because he leaned against a window that was faulty right how do you like well it's kind of like he he in some cases orchestrates bad luck for people almost at the beginning you don't see it but off camera he can't get on the bus because it's too busy right and the driver's mean to him and the camera stays on him, but as the bus drives away, you hear a crash and a big explosion, and everyone on the bus dies. Right, so except for one. Okay, so manipulating luck does actually explain this. Explain it to me, because uh, his wife died of an allergic reaction, which I can see if you're trying to kill somebody that you cause a chemical change in their body or whatever. Right, right. But there was other stuff that seemed like physical accidents. One guy died, uh, you know, skiing. Yeah, it was a guy that died skiing that he wasn't even like anywhere near. Uh, but I, okay, thank you for that because that explains everything that he manipulates their luck. It it does to a certain extent. I mean, at the end, he's just walking along and people are dropping dead around him. Right. So it's like he's given them, you know, brain aneurysms or something like that. You know. Yeah. So I mean, you could chalk that up to just bad luck, but there's not really an external force that's making those people die. Right. Um. Anyways, he keeps doing this, and uh, Lauren Cohan comes in as a girl he meets in a bar, and goes home with yep and that's all we see of her she has one line she has one line i forget what the line where are you going baby or something like that something like that yeah i don't know <laughs> this was her first credit it might have been her first acting job so you know she was pretty new at the time yeah but uh this movie didn't really star her i you can't really say that no well i mean i mean it's only 12 minutes long or something like that 14, 19, 18 i think yeah but uh you know there's only if there's only 
six people that have lines. That's true. She's one of them. And she is one. She's the star or a star. All right. Well, she got like second billing in the credits and on IMDb. So Right. Well, she's the female lead. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Quite a lead it was. Um, But there's not a lot else to say about this. So let's drop that off. And I want to briefly talk about Lauren Cohen as she appears in everything else we watched. Okay. There's a few things I noticed. She has a British accent. I did know that already. Yeah. That, I guess, is her real accent. You know what's weird? Nope. There was a... I forget which which movie were we watching. I think it was the uh, uh, the Supernatural one. She had a British accent in that, too. And it's one of those British accents that if I didn't know she was British, I would think that her British accent was horrible. Well, it's because it's... It's because she was born in the U.S., and so she got her British accent not from birth, but I, I don't know when she went back to the U.K. or moved to the U.K., but she developed it as a child. Right. So it might not be as British as, like, a native British person. No, there's other people that are British that have this same accent, like uh, Emma Watson. Okay, from, so maybe it's a, a dialect thing. I don't no, know. it is a dialect thing. Like, Emma Watson, it's just like everything's over-enunciated, and it just sounds like, you know, that really sounds like a bad British accent, but I know you're British, so I'll have to forgive it. So, yeah, you got to be okay with it. <clears throat> what I was going to say, though, is I think she had the British accent in everything we watched, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I don't think they're quite assassin. Oh, she, maybe one line. I'm not sure if it was British accent. Well, or not. other than that, other than that, did she have it in Chuck? I think so. Yeah, she did. Okay, so what I noticed here is that these roles were all very different from Maggie. A lot of these roles were sort of the rich, glamorous, um, always very well made up kind of woman. Yep. Whereas Maggie is a, you know, small town, down to earth farm girl. That's true. And these were, and and this, I, I mean, we didn't watch everything she's been in, but you know, this seems to be the kind of role she had before she got to The Walking Dead. And in my opinion, this kind of Walking Dead role suits her better than any of these other ones. You think did. so? I think it's a breakout role for her? I think it's absolutely a breakout role. I mean, you know, in Supernatural and uh, in Supernatural, she was this established thief and, you know, kind of a badass, kick a lot of ass and so on. That's that's fine. Yep. In Chuck, she was... Um, rich girl. Rich girl, reluctant, uh, you know, reluctant, didn't know what was going on kind of thing. Yeah, reluctant super spy. Yeah, exactly. Van Wilder, we've talked about, she was the uh, the unattainable woman until the end, right? She's the, the, the uh, girlfriend of your villain, of your nemesis. And in Death Race, she was over the top in every way. In, as this sort she of high powered TV executive who former Miss Universe and who who would get what she wants, she'd use her sexuality to do it, and she would you know wouldn't take no for an answer. That scene in Death Race where he's in the shower, and it, you've seen this scene before. Yeah. He's in the shower, he's standing there naked, of course, and she walks in because that's of course the only time she can go and talk to the guy, right? Right. Everyone else clears out because they're all afraid of her, and so he's standing there with his ding dong out and she's trying to have a conversation with him but you know she's eyeing him up and down and she's all cocky and confident and it's i don't know it, i it was hard to buy into that without just thinking this is so dumb well it is dumb it's a dumb movie I, well i know it's a dumb movie but this is like seeing her and maybe it's because i just saw her my first experience with her really was the walking dead and so i'm right. used to that type of character to go back and see these other characters that are like this just didn't fit her it just didn't fit her it didn't fit her at all and I mean, good Lord. I mean, she certainly wasn't against wearing a lot of low-cut tops in all these movies. Right. 
I just like to say that right now. <laughs> <laughs> but that speaks about what type of character she was playing before The Walking Dead. You right. Know? Well, hopefully that uh, she gets better roles from here on in. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. And I don't know. I mean, I, not to say anything bad about her former work, because, you know, you got to work, and these were the roles she was accepting, and presumably she knew what she was getting into. And if she's okay with it, I'm okay with it. Right. It's just a really interesting shift from what we got here to what we see in The Walking Dead. Yep. Do you have any other comments on uh, on her past work? Uh, overall, I would uh, I think I would agree with you that uh, this is uh, her role in The Walking Dead is remarkably different than uh, than what she's done in the past. Trying to play the uh, like all the all those roles are you know the the pretty girl mm-hmm. kind of thing. Whereas this is the uh, the farmer's daughter. Yeah, the pretty which typically is pretty girl too, but. In a different way. Different way, exactly. She she used to be the pretty, like, sexed up kind of kind of character, right? And right. now it's the opposite of that. So it was sort of interesting. I think of all the actors whose material we've gone back to look at, this is the most dramatic shift in um, type of character. I would think so, because everybody else is kind of, uh, you know, you could see them in their previous roles. You could see their current role there. A little bit, yeah, right. in their style and even in, in the nature of their roles, yeah. Right. Um, <clears throat> you know, I mean, they've all done a variety of things, comedy and, and drama and whatnot. And, uh, you know, Andrew Lincoln is, I, I, I was thinking of that um, Drop the Dead Donkey he show, he did, his first <clears throat> on-screen role ever. Right. You can almost see a little bit of Rick in that guy. Yep. A little bit. I mean, it's it's a different kind of role, but you can see it's there. Lauren Cohen, not so much. Right. <laughs> totally different, so... Uh, cool. If you have any thoughts on Lauren's past work or what she's doing now with The Walking Dead, send us your comments. We would love to hear them. You can email talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Just before we wrap things up here, and we're going long, but we got a little bit of listener feedback I'd like to read. Okay. Listener feedback. All righty. We just got three here, and, and uh, one of them is sort of unrelated, but it's worth talking about. Graham from Toronto on the season three rumors that we uh, spoke about last episode. Mm-hmm. He says, in your last podcast, you discussed some of the rumors surrounding what we can expect in season three, and I just wanted to share my thoughts on some of them. In regards to the rumors, we are going to lose T-Dog and Laurie in season three. I can totally see that being true. Of the four recurring characters, Carol, T-Dog, Beth, and Herschel, T-Dog and Beth don't have a real connection with any of the main characters. Right. Carol has a good character connection slash chemistry with Daryl, and Herschel has that with Rick. Beth and T-Dog have just been floaters. I definitely believe that T-Dog or Beth would be easy kills for the start of the season. We've known these characters for a long time, so it gives the audience that shock factor, but doesn't really change the dynamic of the show. Right. And I think that's an interesting point, that... Uh, you can kill off some characters. It completely changes the show, like Shane. Yep. Or you can kill off other characters, and it it's still shocking, but it doesn't really change anything else about the show, like Jim. Right. And uh, I think T-Dog is more in that second group. I think he is, too. So watch out for a T-Dog-centric episode, because as soon as he's featured in, a, in, a, in an episode, he's dead. Yeah, and the only problem I have with that, though, is that he has the connection to Merle being the last person on the roof oh, that's why when they left alive. Merle there. Because they're bringing Merle back. Yep. So we're going to have a Merle-T-Dog confrontation. Yeah, or it's going to be something like Merle, or, or you know, they show up and T-Dog knows Merle's there, but Merle doesn't know he's there. And, you know, who three's knows? Three's company kind of There's thing. There's going to be a three's company situation, yeah. exactly. 
Um, ah, that's why they've been keeping T-Dog alive, so that he can reconfront Merle. Exactly. And one of them will... Well, T-Dog's going down. Well, one of them is going down. Mer- Merle's going to punch him with his uh, att- detachable fist. Well, imagine being punched with that thing. I've still got the picture up here. It's got a flat end on it. That would hurt, man. Probably made out of wood. Of course, it, so yeah. You ever been hit with a board? That hurts. No, no wood is bad. <laughs> Getting hit with wood is bad. Baseball bats, bad. Bad. Well, um, so there we go. I, I think Graham in Toronto has a good point that T-Dog is probably going to go, and I think it's going to be at the hands of Merle or something like that. Yeah, he's going to go in the same episode that Merle shows up. Or if not, it'll be something super dramatic, like you know Merle's about to kill him, but Daryl steps in and kills his own brother or something. Like something big-time dramatic. Or like T-Dog will sacrifice his own life to save Merle's. Oh, yeah, because he owes it to yeah. him. Yeah. Jeez. Exciting, exciting times. Yeah. Uh, Garrett from Kansas wrote in on our Canadianness, oh, okay. <laughs> which is something we've talked about before. <laughs> this is an interesting one, though, and this is what I wanted to talk about. This is kind of funny. I noticed that you talked about your accents, or lack thereof, and while I grew up around grandparents who are from Wisconsin and have a similar accent, the only thing that ever struck me as sounding different from how people usually talk was the use of the phrase, what's his eyebrows? Hold on, hold on. And even this wasn't too strange, as the analogous saying here is, what's his face? Just thought you would like to know that you're not that different from us Americans, and he wrote in brackets, the horror. (laughs) So, if I'm not mistaken, what's his eyebrows is a Jason term. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't think that's a normal term up here. That's something that I use, and I got that from my friend Mike. Right. Right. That's, so, that's just, that's something that you use. I'd never heard it before I, you would said it one day. And uh, I don't think it's a thing. No, it, it's a Mike, it's a Mike Robillardism. <laughs> and and in, he's full of them, believe me. And in fact, what's his face is far more common yes. here and is what I used as a child, yep. as a teenager or a kid. I always up. get looks when I use that uh, for the first time around people. When I say, what's his eyebrows? They always look at me well, like, what? <laughs> it's kind of weird. And I wanted to bring it up because Garrett in Kansas mentioned it. You know, thinking that it was a real thing, but it's not. It's not a thing. <laughs> it's no. just a Jason thing. Yeah. Um, I have also heard the variation "What's his ass?" I, I don't believe I've ever heard that. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I think I heard that recently on um, <laughs> on that HBO show Veep. Oh yeah. I think she said that. What's his ass? <laughs> That's another funny show. Uh, so, that, anyways, it's an acquired taste that show. I think. I've only watched two episodes. I like. I'm it. not quite on board yet, but I can see the potential. Yeah. No, I think it's funny. I think it's good. And What's-His-Ass is funny. Come on. Yeah, it is. So, um, thank you, What's-His-Eyebrows in Kansas. It was, uh, thanks for writing in. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Finally, Noah from Kentucky writes in, I had a question while re-watching season one, episode five. When Morales and his family leave Rick and company, he says they are headed to Birmingham to see if their family in that area are still alive. Does that mean that they might show up in season three? Hmm. I suppose anything is is possible, but I kind of think I, I kind of be surprised if we see them again. You know, I would I would be too. When I started thinking about it a bit, it occurred to me that those characters felt like like I started thinking about why were they put in the show at all when we have characters like Alan and his family from the comic that were never introduced to the TV show. Right. And I started thinking, you know. Maybe this is completely off base, but they've probably they probably came up with a bunch of new characters, threw them in the first season to see which stuck, 
And we all know that Daryl has now stuck. Yep. And Morales didn't. Morales right. and his family. So, you know, it almost feels like a bit of a trial run for them. They weren't working out, so they packed them up and sent them on their way. And I'd be surprised if they came back. I would be surprised too. But I, then again, I wouldn't be surprised if they showed up in Woodbury. Yeah. On their way to uh, Birmingham, they got sidetracked and couldn't leave. Yep. You know, now I like the character. I thought they were good characters. Having those two kids yep. was, was okay. I also think that they probably wanted to get rid of as many kids from the show as they could. Oh, yeah. Because kids are hard to work with. They grow up too fast. And, you know, Carl is enough of a problem. They killed off Sophia and they moved Morales and his kids away. So, it could be. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll be surprised if they come back, but I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be sad if they did. I also hope that um, Morgan and Dwayne come back. I, I'm, I'm more excited to see them back than Morales, yeah, I'm afraid to say. You can't bring, bring back everybody. No. And there's lots of potential for lots of new <clears throat> characters rather than resorting to bringing back old characters. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, uh, Morgan and Dwayne, I think if you're going to bring anybody back, they're going to be back. Yeah. I, I want to see them the most. They, they are two of my favorite characters, actually, yep. in general, from the comic or the TV show. But thank you, Noah, for writing in. That uh, was a great question. Um, That's going to do it for this episode of The Talking Dead, number 81. By all means, if you have something to say or have thoughts or questions, send us a voicemail at 1-866-483-9662. That is the Zomb line, or the zombie line, 483-Z-O-M-B. We are on Twitter at Talking Dead or Facebook.com slash The Talking Dead. That is where you can go to enter our just announced best way to kill a zombie contest. Mm-hmm. Just quickly to recap, post your favorite way to kill a zombie on our Facebook page. You have all summer and part of the fall to do so because the deadline for entry is season three premiere night in October. We'll probably uh, probably remind them again, right? We will remind people of that probably every podcast between now and then. Okay, good. So uh, don't worry if you skip this episode <laughs> but but please don't <laughs> please don't uh the winner will be chosen and announced on the next day after the, the monday after the premiere when we're doing our show to cover that episode uh that's facebook.com slash the talking dead you can of course also send email to talking dead podcast at gmail.com that is where we you know accept all emails <laughs> We don't turn any away. Don't turn any away. I even respond to some sometimes when I have time. Um, If you don't get a response, please don't be mad at me. I do my best. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't yell. Yeah, exactly. Um, All right. So uh, we're not going to have a Walking Dead actor spotlight for next time, but we will be doing uh, Herschel at some point over the summer. So stay tuned for that. Mm -hmm. We will also be trying to organize a live recording of this show, meaning... You don't actually come anywhere and watch us record. You <laughs> tune in on the internet while we're doing it live, and you never know. We might even be able to take calls. Live on the internet. That'd be cool. It would be weird. Well, we have promised many times that we would never answer the phone. No, but if we're doing a... That's our vo- that's the zombie line. Right, if we're okay. doing a live show and someone wants to call in, they don't call that number. What we do is we add them to Skype, and we Skype them right into the show right then and there. All right, we'll figure out a way to do it. Absolutely. You're going to have to be in charge of more stuff than usual when we do that. I'll like man, maybe manning I'll, the Skype. I'll man the lines. Yeah, you man the lines. We have uh, Jonathan from uh, San Diego on the line. See? He wants to talk about uh, bliggity blogs. You're already good at it. <laughs> and facey pages. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> we will try to figure that out. We're thinking sometime in 
September. Yeah, people, uh, I, I think in general, I think people are a little more real-time in September. There you go, real-time. Yeah. <laughs> it also gives us a few months to sort out the details. Yeah, because so. in the summer, I'm, I know I'm on demand. That's it. There you go. I don't do anything real-time in the N- summer. Nothing. <laughs> All right, so we'll keep you posted on that. We should be back in two weeks with Talking Dead number 82. Uh, Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.